So we're going to be carrying on with what on earth are we here for, and we're speaking specifically on what has God called One Hope to in Stellenbosch in this very year, in this time. We're speaking about what has God called you to, what has God called me to for Stellenbosch at this time. Why did God feel that Stellenbosch needed us at this precise moment in history? And so last week we revealed a mission statement that we've been speaking through. The whole of last week we looked at Matthew 28, and you should have it on your wrist. If you don't remember it yet, we gave out wristbands. If you don't have, please won't you chat to, to Red over there, to Karen. Just stand for us, Karen. She'll give you one, so you've got an easy way to remember. But this is our mission statement, being filled and filling Stellenbosch with the hope and the life of Jesus Christ. That's what we want to do. We want to constantly be being filled ourselves, and then we want to give it away, filling Stellenbosch with the hope and the life of Jesus Christ. This is our mission, and as we spoke about last week, the, the very basis of our mission is emulating Jesus Christ, the sent one. He's the one who goes. He's the one who comes first and fills the world with hope and with life. And so we emulate Christ and we take his example and we go out and we do the same. That's the invitation that he gives us. Now you go. Johannes, you go. Paul, you go. Marley, you go. See you nattering there. We're going to show one of your videos just now. A really cool video. You go and do the same. All right, are you with me? How many of you have ever said this? Guys, we have to warm up this morning. I'm, I'm preaching on vision. I'm excited. You're going to have to join me. This, how many of you have ever said this? Lord, make me more like you. Hey, I've said that so many times in my life. What did you mean when you said that? You probably had something very specific in mind that you had a specific scenario you were thinking about or something you were going through and you said, Lord, make me more like you guys. I don't know how we could be more like Jesus than this one who literally dedicates his entire life. He comes to earth. He's sent by the Father. We spoke about this last week. Jesus means the one who saves. Emmanuel, God with us, he dedicates his entire ministry to going and to taking hope and life, the message of the kingdom, out into the world. So if you say, I want to be like you, Jesus, I want to be more like you, surely somewhere in that thinking has to be this missional instinct, this missional edge that we are here beyond ourselves for others. And so we continue with our mission this morning, being filled and filling Stellenbosch with the hope and life of Christ. So that's, if I could say it like that, the mission is the what. We need everyone, friends. This is not a Charmaine thing or our more overt evangelists like a Bates. This is a every single one of us thing. One of our phrases in this church is all hands on deck. Priesthood of all believers. We believe that Jesus has called each and every individual in any and all environments to carry his message forward. So that's the what. Now this morning, it's quite an unusual message. I wouldn't normally do this, but we're going we're gonna to reveal the seven things, seven vision points that we believe God is saying to us, this is how you fulfill the mission. So if the mission is the what, this is the how. How will we achieve the mission God has prepared for us? And I want to remind us as I do that, that this, the mission of God is the same for every single Bible-believing church. We don't get to choose. We don't get to go and say, well, I think this is what the mission should be. God's Word clearly lays out the mission for the church. So you can use language like we're saying, being filled and filling Stellenbosch with the hope and life of Christ. Others would say, knowing God and making Him known. That was what we've used for years. Lots of different ways we can say it, but it's God's Word that initiates it, and every single church is doing the same thing. What does that mean? Well, it's powerful because it means that there's a large bucket, if you use this language of being filled, there's a large bucket in Stellenbosch, and none of us are against each other. We're all trying to fill Stellenbosch with the hope and life of Jesus. Shofar is trying to do that. Every nation is trying to do that. Gemeente are trying to do that. Every single church that is gospel-focused is trying to fill the bucket with the life of and the hope of Jesus Christ. And that is so centering and helpful for us to keep in the forefront of our mind. That we, we take hands with other believers. That's why we're so passionate about unity among the churches here. Because we recognize that the mission of God will only advance when all of us are doing our part without jealousy and, and competitive nonsense in the churches. Right? Can I have an amen for that? Amen. This is what scripture 
teaches us. And so each of us is coming in our, our filling languages, being filled and filling Stellenbosch, and each of us with our part to play. We, one hope, are just one little part of that, a significant part. Yes, Lord, we want to follow you. We want to do our part, but we want to stay sobered in our part in God's mission in Stellenbosch, and then God's mission in South Africa, and then God's mission around the world. So now we need to just think about the global mission of God. All right, and so the sermon this morning is off the back of the last year, about 20 core leaders. We're talking through how do we put some more roots down? How do we make it clearer what God is calling us to? And as we have journeyed through this, there's seven things for us that really come to the fore that we believe if we do these seven things as a church, we're saying, God, we think we're going to be advancing the mission that you've given us in your word. Does that make sense? Right, so we're going to do a reveal one-on-one. But before, Shah, won't you come? Won't you come for us? I'm just going to ask Charmaine to pray, and then we're going to reveal these seven points one by one. Won't you pray? But pray with faith and pray with vision. Okay, it must be a big prayer. Yes. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. Go on. <laughs> oh, Father, you are so cool, so amazing. Oh, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that it's your power, your authority that works in and through us. We're so feeble, (laughs) we're so human, but it's only with your help that we can do these things as we listen to Paul getting very excited. Thank you, Father, that we can do these things with your help and your power. And we think of the Prince Lou family, which is such an example of hope and life coming into this world. And then an example of when your vision (laughs) is very different to ours. But it's your vision. Father, I pray that our hearts would be open today with regard to this idea. We, we sit there and we're like, but I can't. I, uh, my insecurities, my whatever, this is not me. But you've called us, each and every one of us, to partner with you on this big vision of yours. And so I pray that you would open our hearts, that you would be the power and the strength that we need to step forward and we thank you for this really, really cool journey that we're on with you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Shah. All right, are you ready? Anyone? Are you ready? Our vision is, and remember, just drum roll, um, remember that this is fiercely practical. We're not talking here about an intellectual vision. We're talking about are you. Think about your life where you work, what you do, are you saying to the Lord, Lord, these things I want to give my life to, I want to be part of, I want to practically sow my time, my treasure into these things. All right, the first one is this, proclaim the gospel. This is our first vision statement as One Hope, Mark 16. So what I'm going to do is I'll reveal one, I want to link it to a scripture, and then I want to show you where it's already working within one hope. Just a few examples of someone or something or something that's going on or something that's happening. Just so we can see it's already there. I want to encourage us that God's already doing these things. But we're saying, God, we want so much more of these things. So the first one is proclaim the gospel. Key verse, Mark 16. It's the parallel verse to what we spent our time last week looking at, Matthew 28, the Great Commission. But Mark says it very succinctly. Verse 15, he says, speaking about Jesus, he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Simple, right? Go into all the world, preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. The stakes are high, friends. And this is, the, this is the fundamental, Mark just lays out the fundamental mission of every Christian in every church in all the world for all time. Now, often if you're like me, you hear the word go and you think deepest, darkest Africa. I grew up believing that my mission field would be Sudan. My wife is still holding on that maybe that will happen. Is that right, babes? Maybe for some people, yes, that is what God is calling you to. But for the vast majority of us, I would say that that is not the case. Although I hope from us we do send increasingly into unreached people groups around the world. But what I want to make the point of this morning is the missionary who does that, who does go into deepest, darkest Africa, is no more obedient than the school teacher who wakes up morning after morning and devotes herself to being filled with God. 
prayer, normal, ordinary prayer, normal, ordinary scripture reading, normal, ordinary coming into a community week after week after week, and then goes out, packs her lunch day after day, and goes. That big missionary person you have in mind, that teacher is no less obedient, carrying with them the hope and the life of Jesus into one of the toughest environments in a school. And then after school, she goes to the gym and she brings the hope and the life of Jesus from this place of being filled to the gym. Maybe she goes to the spa to buy some groceries. You get the point. I just look at our, our congregation. I don't know who's all here this morning. Shana, where are, where are you? You just started a new teaching job. Well done. Kirsten Robinson teaching at Rhenish High. Vicky and Dorfling teaching and Kara teaching in Paul Rus. Um, I think of... Josh and Carmen, who've just moved to Kronstadt to, to teach in Calling Academy there. Well, Carmen is teaching there. And I just think of these guys going out day after day, modern missionaries, carrying the hope and the life of Jesus. Right? So don't think wild out there. Think, how do I carry this proclamation of the gospel into my world, into my office environment, or whatever it might be? I think of high schoolers in our midst. Our girl just started high school this yeah, and it's quite a mind-bender to, to suddenly think about everything that she's being exposed to. But a high schooler who's filled up with God and then sent into one of the toughest, most difficult environments that you could imagine. That n- no one over the age of, well, high school, maybe some teachers, are going to get in there. We can't go in there. And these kids are our missionaries going in proclaiming the hope and the life of Jesus in those environments. How are we doing here, One Hope? is my challenge to us this morning. If this is our primary mission, if God's mission is to take the message of Jesus, just like Jesus, and proclaim it to the world, build His King, how are we doing? Maybe the Lord wants to shake us a little bit this morning. Maybe He wants to remind us. Maybe you say, well, I've done this in the past, but you know, I've got really lazy in this area. Maybe He wants to come and shake you. Maybe He wants to teach you. Maybe no one's ever stopped and told you this. Maybe you're a new Christian and you don't know yet that this is what we're supposed to do. Proclaim the gospel. I think God wants to challenge us, wants to rebuke us. Guys, look around, even in this room this morning. This is already happening here. It's already happening. I look at Jakobus there behind the camera. Bro, I'm so grateful that God brought you to faith in the last few years and gave you a deep relationship with the Father. Where's Where's Kalen? Caitlin, I don't want to embarrass you, but just to see how God has taken your life and you grew up in, in a Christian space and then drifted far from God, but how He's brought you back is such an encouragement to us. I think of, I think of Silver. Silver, where are you? I saw you somewhere this morning. Where's Silver? Oh, there you are at the back. Silver, is this easy? This is hard, right? But I'm so grateful that God rescued you, reached into your life, and you've shared some of your testimony. And on we could go. We could look at Robsy, who's been saved, and Josh and Carmen. We're going to speak about them a little later. Right, are you with me? Our vision is number two. Our vision is proclaim the gospel. Our vision is make mature disciples. Okay, now we turn back to our Matthew 28 text. And where Mark is extremely succinct, And he just says, proclaim the gospel to everyone and anyone who believes will have salvation. Matthew carries on a little bit and he says, and we spent time here last week, Jesus came and said to his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That's the same as Mark. Baptizing them in the name of the Father Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then he adds this, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always. Did you get that little phrase? Teach them to obey all the commands that I have given you. Now, each of us, we're on a journey. We're learning. We're becoming, hopefully, more and more like Jesus. This is the mature disciple side of it, right? The, the scriptural expectation, friends, is not simply that people come to Christ. We are so excited when that happens, and we love it. But the, then the journey begins, 
And from that point, we begin to walk with people, and others have walked with us. And until the day we die, however old we are when that happens, this is a continuing journey. The scriptural expectation is that we would be followers of Jesus, and we would mature, and we would be sanctified, and we would grow, and we would mess up, and we would we'd try again, and we would learn, and that we look completely different 20 years from now to what we look like right now. And then the scriptural mandate is that we then help others to do the same. This is where we often speak about the one another's of Scripture. There are so many, one another, one another, one another. I need you. You need me. One another. We're going together to build mature disciples. And so we come to faith and we are full of sin. Can I, can I let you in on a little secret here? What else would you expect? We, we sometimes speak about the world and, and are shocked at what's going on with, with sin in their hearts and the things that they get up to. I'm like, well, that's, all they're doing is acting how they're supposed to act. And we try and bring moralism and legalism. This is another old preach. But we, we try and make them behave in a certain way when actually they're behaving the way they're supposed to behave because they don't know Jesus. They have no hope. They are full of, of sin. Right? And then we come with the hope and life of Jesus. And then we say, Jesus... And we begin to mature and mature, right? So we come to Christ and we're full of sin. How else should we look? We're full of selfish ambition. We're full of anger. We're full of anxiety. And then we come to Christ and suddenly we, we lose all of those things and we only have love, joy, and peace, right? Just me? Me that struggles with that? Right? No. So the, the one decreases and our anxieties begin to find their rightful place in the story of the kingdom of heaven. And we begin to trust, instead of our finances or our, our identity in another man or another woman, we begin to find a, a, a place where we can truly trust in Christ. And that slowly decreases. And then as that decreases, what begins to increase is faith, love, joy, peace, the opposite of anxiety, patience. Our ambitions are changed. Our priorities are changed. Andy Stanley, Bates's favorite guy, not mine particularly, but he did say something very profound this week. He said, your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. It's quite a, quite a thinker, that one for me. Your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. Making mature disciples. Guys, I'm so proud of this congregation, we've got a long way to go. In the weeks to come, we're going to be unpacking these things one by one. And we're going to be brutally honest in those weeks, saying where we feel like we're not doing great. There's areas where we really are not doing well in some of these things. But I just want to, this morning, just highlight that God is on the move. And I'm proud of the maturing and the maturing disciples that God is bringing into our midst and forming in our midst and sending out from our midst. I have a few that I just was, where I was prayerfully preparing, that came to mind. CJ, Quibus Sticks, I see you there at the back of my brew. I'm so proud of you, Quibus, having walked the journey with you from when, when I think I met you very soon after your father passed away, or maybe around that time. And just watching God as I met with you, and I remember having one of our very first coffees, and you saying to me, no one's ever shown me or told me that I'm even supposed to read the Bible. And, and just really honest with me, and then watching how you've grown, thank the Lord because Crystal was, was coming to me on the side and just saying, like, I'm desperate for him to, could you help? I'm kidding. But I'm, it's wonderful to see how God is growing you. CJ, there's a leadership call on your life, bro. You know it. You know it. And God is sanctifying you. He's redeeming you. He's calling you for his kingdom, for his kingdom purposes. And he's using everything to get your attention. Your little kids, your business stuff, everything that God is busy working in your life in the last season Man, you could have so easily responded in a different way. And I'm just, I want to just publicly say this morning that I am proud of you, bro. You are doing well. And keep going. Can someone shout amen for, for CJ to keep going? We're with you, bro. We back you. I think of many, many others in the room. Uh, another example from this weekend is Stephen Kern. You guys will know Stephen. Won't you throw up some of those 
uh, photos. I see Sharon here and your kids are probably, there's one of them and others bouncing around. Stefan's in Mozambique right this weekend. He's busy continuing with their work. This is a 14 plus year that they've been investing their lives in Mozambique before they moved here. What are they doing? They're proclaiming the gospel and they're making mature disciples. And so these are guys that they're busy preaching to this weekend. This was yesterday. He sent us some wonderful other photos of dinner being prepared. They didn't get the meat from spa, let's just say it like that. Um, but we didn't put those up for obvious reasons this morning. But this is, this is one hope is engaged in the mission of God to proclaim the gospel and make mature disciples. All right, are you with me so far? Yes, Johannes is and someone else over there is. Thank you so much. Warren, you're always with me, but it's such a blessing. The third one is this, and we're going to have a, a little break in this point. This is my third one. The third thing is being a word. Is this working? Almost. Not quite. Coming. There it is. The third thing that we want to hold to as our vision is being a word and spirit people. Now, I'm going to read a text for us out of the book of John, chapter 7, and we'll be preaching on this in a few weeks' time out of the same text. Jesus has just gone up. He's about to He's just gone up to a um, feast, and we're going to speak about that in detail in a couple of weeks. But verse 37, Jesus stands up on this feast, and he says, On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the Scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit, who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. And so here we have Jesus. What's Jesus called in the Scriptures? John. Think about the book of John. What is Jesus called? In the beginning was the? And the Word became? Flesh. And dwelt? Among us. In other words, God took the message of Jesus and literally put the word. Jesus himself is the word. Jesus is the sign. Jesus is the one that we we look to. We see Christ with us. God, Emmanuel. He was literally the word or the message of God to the world. And then Jesus comes and this word, the word of God. when When you say, and I'm reading my word, you're talking about this. The word is Jesus. This is just what... He had to say, and the scriptures are what we look to as a prophetic revelation of God. But Jesus cries out and says, hey, if you are thirsty, come to me, and I will give you living water. And then he carries on in John. John carries on to reference that that is a symbol or a sign of the Holy Spirit. And this festival is all about water. I can't wait to, to teach on this section. So we have the word, Jesus crying out, you need the coming Holy Spirit. You know, one of them is not enough. We can't just be word people. We can't just be spirit people. Do you know what I mean by that language? And we see this all over the church. We see this guys falling off on this side of the horse and getting back up and falling off on the other side of the horse. We don't want to be people who just chase after the experience of the spirit as if the word doesn't have a place in our hearts. We also don't want to be people who only look at the Word of God and get so cerebral and so dry and so religious in our understanding that we also deny that there's an experience of God and that we should know Him and that it's relational and that we should walk with Him. It's never, ever been in the whole of Scripture. We never see a juxtaposition. It should never be held as if the Word and the Spirit are something different. The Spirit gives life to the Word. The Word tells us what the Spirit does. This is always the safety net of of the way that these two things work. It's always both. The Bible is our book. We'll say that over and over again. We're going to continue our series in Ephesians soon. The Bible is our book. We keep coming back to the Bible. It's the Bible that directs us. We don't look to the world or to other church fads or to other church leaders or to any of those things to inform us about what we should do here. We look to the Bible to tell us how we should live our lives, how we should conduct our church, etc. 
But man, we need the fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit over and over again in our hearts and in our lives. And this is such a tricky balance, right? Because even now, this morning, I'm telling you, there'll be loads of you who are sitting here and you're saying, wow, this church, man, the, the, the amount of spirit that you give in this church is scary for me. I'm not used to, I'm not used to like people raising their hands and worship. I'm not used to this. It's, it's very unusual for me that you speak about hearing God's voice. What do you mean by hearing God's voice? Or, or those kind of things. And then there's others in the church who would say like, man, you guys are so dry. I went to such and such a church and they were like just crazy for Jesus. Can't we have more of that? And we're saying, man, there should never be this or that together. Make sense? A wonderful recent example, our family camp, where Taryn and Julie Williams come and share with us. The camp itself was, it was called What's So Amazing About Scripture? That's what we spoke about the whole weekend. We were learning. Taryn was literally leading us in memorizing Scripture. At the same time, I know many were personally so encouraged by his wife, Julie, who has a genuine prophetic gift that was, was going and just speaking into certain people's lives. And then a specific one that I'd like to pull out is over to the congregation. She spoke that God would be bringing bruised fruit into our midst. That was the, the phrase that she used. And I thought, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, we, we know already how poor we are with pastoral care. Can I just be honest on that? We know it's something that we are struggling with. And I'm like, and now God's saying, I'm going to bring you more. So what is that? That's, that's when the Word of God, we're listening to the Word, we're learning the Word, what is so amazing about Scripture, and then God brings us something, and as elders we've got to sit and we've got to say, Lord, if this is what you're saying to us, help us. How do we prepare? What do we need to do? How do we welcome in? Because we want that. We want to be people who are embracing what the Spirit of God is saying to us. I don't feel like I'm doing this point very well, but do you, do you understand what I'm trying to get at here? This is so important for us that we, that we Word and Spirit people, that's our third one. I hope you're enjoying your waters. Okay, are you ready for number four? Our vision number four, and, and just by the way, sorry, the first three. I don't think there's any gospel-centered church that's going to, any of those three are going to be unique to us. All of us are proclaiming the gospel. All of us are making mature disciples. All of us are trying to wrestle for a, not every church, but most churches are trying to wrestle for a word and a spirit balance. All right? And then the next, the next four would be things that I feel are a little bit more emphasized within one hope. I think every church is called to them in some measure, but these things are a bit more close to home for us. So number four is raising, sending, blessing beyond ourselves. Another way of saying that is being a sending church, a church that's joyfully sending out, happy to give, happy to raise up and say, God, let them go somewhere else and be a blessing wherever they go. The key text here is Romans chapter 10. And just remember, we're going to come back and preach on each of these scriptures as we go through. So Romans chapter 10, verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him if they have not heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why... The scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. And so we believe that one of our emphasis or our specific mandates as a church is to be a church who's saying, how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? We're saying, Lord, here we are. We are prepared to send. We want to send. Why do we send, church? Because God first sent. That's why we send. Remember, we model this all on Jesus. This is not a to-do list. Why do we raise up? Why do we raise up people in our midst? Because God has raised you up, has raised us up, has raised me up. I think of Isaiah 61, and all those years before prophesying about Jesus coming. And what does he say Jesus is going to come and do? He's going to bind up the brokenhearted. He's going to set free the prisoner. He's going to bring good news to the poor. He's going to bring beauty for ashes. God is constantly raising up. He never leaves us where He finds us. That's a huge grace. So why do we send? Because God sends. Why do we raise up? Because God raises up. Why do we bless? I don't know anyone who knows how to bless us like God blesses us. God is a blessing 
God. Everything we do, friends, this point is really critical for me because I think the danger in a vision series like this is that we come away with a to-do list. And we come away saying, well, these are the seven things, and this is what I've got to do, and this is where I've got to be better, and this is where I've got to pull up my socks, and this is where I've got to... And we can leave with such a tick box, achievement, doing, religious sense of how we're supposed to do this. Friends, our call is to be filled. To be filled, to be empowered by the Spirit, to be empowered by God. And from that place, as we realize, God, I am so loved. As we realize, as we've been going through the book of Ephesians, our, our identity, the identity we have in God, then we go out with those things. Examples here, within one hope. Man, I love, I love and I hate the end of the year where we get to send so many of our students out into the world, right? Every year we get them up, we take time, we pray for them, we get around them, we commission them, each of them individually, and we send them out into the world that God is calling them to. I love seeing our students filtering back as they're visiting. The last few weeks, we've had John and Vaughn visiting us. I saw Joel recently. So many of these guys who've been with us for years going out and just seeing how God is using them in the world. We're going to show a little video as an example of this, of Josh and Carmen I've mentioned. They've gone to start the new Calling Academy. I can't go into all the details now, but it's a school that we support. It's a wonderful initiative in Stellenbosch, and they've gone to Kruenstadt of all places, and this is a little update video from them of how they're going. And we, if you weren't here end of last year, we sent them out in December, prayed for them, laid hands on them, blessed them. So we want to raise and send and bless with our people. Let's see what they have to say. How's it, One Hope is? Um, it's Josh Common from Kronstadt. Uh, we got asked to give you a little update as to what's been happening. Yeah, we obviously got here. Um, I was incredibly sick. I had like, I don't know, some weird form of tonsillitis or something. We, we're not sure. But anyways, it kind of let me man down. I wasn't able to speak or talk. So like meeting people and stuff was not happening. So it left me a little bit bleak. Um, we ended up after me suffering silently for, I don't know, like a week. Then we decided to also pray from our wonderful One Hope family. And literally two days later, I was feeling hundreds. Um, so yeah, we've definitely felt your guys' support. And we're super grateful. Um, and we're glad that we got to be sent off the way we got to be sent off. It was super special and it, it makes us look and find opportunities where we can be helpful in a town like Grunstadt. For instance, we have joined like a little group called Ignite and Revive where people get together and fix the town. So they pick up litter, they fix potholes, things like that. So that's been awesome. We've got to join a cell group church. I went to the first worship practice yesterday. So that's been awesome. And I got to meet some cool people. And yeah, we've like it was a bit tough in the beginning to get integrated, um, which is weird because you know I think everyone loves me so much. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it was being sick and just not wanting to be social. So, anyways, we managed to uh, join there, and yeah, just been welcomed wholeheartedly by the musicians so far. Um, I got invited to a game of Catan, so we'll probably go do that. <laughs> um, yeah, just from our side, from um, the new Calling Academy, everything is going really cool. My colleagues are awesome. Um, everyone is just really on fire for Jesus, number one, which is very cool, um, and really passionate about seeing a change in the community driven through education. So that's really cool being a part of it. Um, Josh is also doing the connect groups there, so he's a part of it too. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we're going to see really cool stuff happening from the school. The school's really involved in the community as well. Also joining with the Ignite and Revive people. Yeah. So we are slowly but surely getting integrated and mm. I think there's going to be some really, really cool things to come. Yeah. The connect groups have been going super well. Um, like I, I, it was a bit tough in the beginning for me trying to find my feet and, where God wants to use me, but it's been awesome getting to know the kids and um, yeah, just putting together a little curriculum basically to follow and trying to figure out what the kids believe and where they're at and that's been going super well and yeah, now we just kind of need to be part of the Kronstadt Soul Church family and get properly plugged in and yeah, I would say we're on our way to selling, but anyways... Thanks so much for praying for us and loving us from 10 hours away. 
and we're 12, 14 hours away. We really appreciate it and um, much love. We miss you. Bye. Proud of Carmen for getting any words in there. <laughs> Josh. Such champions. Now, and what, are, what beautiful examples of raising, sending, and blessing. How, how long ago, Shah, did, did um, Josh come to faith? Major detour in th- three years ago. And just watching how God is making mature disciples. So he came on a student camp. He's shared his testimony publicly. So there's no, uh, he came on student camp high on drugs. Um, absolutely transformed his, his heart and his life. And watching his process of ups and downs, finding and marrying Carmen and her coming back to faith and just seeing God work and raising up and then sending and blessing. I mean, they are going to be such a blessing in that town, right? All right, our vision number five is equipping people, come up in a moment, equipping people to think, believe, and live more justly. I don't know if it's got the, there we go, it's got the little things in there as well. That helps me tremendously to remember this one. Equipping people to think, head, believe, heart, and live, hands more justly. Here's our key text, is Micah, Chapter 6 and verse 8. He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. This is a special emphasis one for us, partly because of who God has added in the room. So speak about all hands on deck and who God adds to us and what it is that God has placed in our midst. We're passionate about a priesthood of all believers, and we just happen to have had over the years really unique gifts in this space of biblical justice. So we want to keep exploring what does it mean to live justly. There's no easy answers, right? Anyone who's trying to live in South Africa and ask the question, how do we live a just life? Just how do we give finance away to people who are in need? Just answer that one question for me, and I'd be so grateful. It's tremendously, tremendously difficult to know how to do this well in South Africa. And so I'm really proud of Robsy. Where's Robs? She says there is. Robsy over there. Robs, I'm so proud of you leading, leading Serve Stellies and just the, the work that's going into this. But there's last year, just thinking through how we do this, our head there's, there's book club, there's the justice journey, there's regular prayer meetings where we're thinking justice, where we, in our head, we, we're engaging our head, and then we, we're engaging our heart. And Daniel's message, Daniel, Tommy, your message on justice was so powerful for us, such a helpful reminder around justice and how it gets into our hearts. Personal reflection, just us individually thinking, God, how do I make a difference? And then I, I think we're really strong on the hands Serve Saturdays. Any of you who've been around know that we have these Saturdays throughout the year where we can go and partner with our four partners and get stuck in and doing something that they've told us they need. So we're not imposing it on them. They're saying this would be so helpful for us. And as a congregation, we get stuck in there and we go and do things. And it's powerful. I think of um, Serve Clutusville coming up in July. We run a, a holiday club in Clutusville. These are awesome examples of hand. One hope uh, have got tons of homegrown examples of this, but here's, here's a wonderful one from Mali over there. Mali, this is such a helpful video. This is Co-Create Hub in the center of Stellenbosch, which might have been a, a dream in Mali's mind and which came to fruition last year. So here's a little video telling you about that. Hello family, I hope everyone's keeping so well. Today we are at the Co-Create Hub, which is opened up in the center of town. And I'm just so excited about what this space is going to do and what it means. As a One Hope staff team, it was so awesome to be here um, on the opening day. And I'm just so excited to tell you guys more about the heart and vision. Hi guys, I'm Ali Kosak, a proud member of the One Hope family. And I'm standing here today in the Co-Create Hub Stellenbosch, a project that many of you would have um, heard about in the past. When the Lord seven years ago gave me the instruction to go and level the playing fields so that everyone can have equal opportunities. And he said to go and do it in the town of Stellenbosch and that he will provide for me and for us to be able to do this. And as part of an organization called Ranyaka Community Transformation, who I work for, we um, refurbished the old clinic in Victoria Street 
into this beautiful economic development hub where local BE level one and two businesses from surrounding communities can gain access to market and trade their products in the center of town and have places where they can physically trade from or just a distribution channel through which their products can be sold in our deli or in the food court um, or in our gift shop and it is such a privilege for us to have been able to do that. I've started my business working from home uh, in a small um, room that I've converted into a barbershop. The co-create art uh, was an opportunity for me to come and exp uh, expose my services and products to people in Stellenbosch. I'm from Kayamandi. I'm doing street food, strictly street food. But I'm doing uh, gourmet street food. Yeah. Chicken burger, beef burger, waffle and pork ribs. It's a great opportunity. We're in the middle of the town, you know, business place, you know. So, yeah, I'm very happy to be here. It's very, very nice because we get clients, we get new clients, and also my old clients are coming here to do their hair. I think this is a great opportunity. As we start now, we're going to grow, right? As we grow, we're going to have to employ more people, bringing jobs to people, you know. For my business, this is like um, it's a huge opportunity because all of a sudden now we could move from selling online to like selling on, on like uh, in a brick and mortar store, basically. Coffee is like wine. People want to taste the product. I think Concrete is actually a very good opportunity for, for the business and also for, for uh, the community. Small businesses could actually be able to show off their talents in a safe space. So there is like a shared space where, where you, you can get in and experience different type of products and services in, in, one, in one area. So in future, I see myself owning salons around the country, then making people beautiful space. I'm very fortunate to be one of the lucky people in Stellenbosch to, to share this space. If it wasn't for the co-creator, I'm, I'm sure we would, have, we would have also been in our small little spaces, you know. With managed to give approximately 20 um, to 30 businesses access to the local market and the vision is really to create local economic inclusion. We've done good business, we've learned a lot and we really encourage you to come and connect locally, feast locally, buy locally. You will be so overwhelmed by what you see, the amazing talent that we have in this town and you will also be able to really connect with others, Can others that you have not previously connected with maybe had the opportunity to do so um, and we're seeing really amazing and beautiful friendships created in this space as people from different backgrounds um, just get together and together make this their home. It's on campus, it's right opposite um, the Adam Small Theatre next to the Mystic Bird. There's access to Wi-Fi for students, it's free. Um, you can buy amazing coffee, you can buy um, food in the, in, in the courtyard, we have hot desking space, we have meeting rooms and we also have a training room should you wish to um, rent that particular space. So come and visit us, our website www.cocreatehub.co.za and yeah, come and feast locally. Thank you. I think that's deserving of a clap, wouldn't you say? What a beautiful vision. Molly, it's powerful to see. We've been tracking as God's, you know, we do a testimony Sunday at the end of every year, or normally two now because there's so many testimonies. And just hearing of the story developing and then watching it come to fruition last year, we had our leaders appreciation there at the end of last year, the whole bunch of us just going and, and supporting, and it's an amazing space. So won't you consider uh, getting stuck in there when you've got a business meeting? Go and have it there when you need your haircut. Think about having it there when you need a new leather bag. Go there. It looks like there's some acha if you like hot stuff. All that kind of thing. All right. Number six, I think we're on. Am I right? Last two to go. Our vision, these ones will be quick. Our vision is number six, reaching and raising the next generation. Deuteronomy 6 is the text that we'll use here. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving to you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your 
wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your houses and on your gates. Have I got that right? Put my Bible down too quickly. And on your gates. Statistically, upward of 80% of Christ followers come to faith before the age of 18. Do you know that? 80%. And some, some estimates are like 90-something percent. Just, let's test the room. How many of you came to know Jesus before the age of 18? Just hands up in the room, okay? So have a look around. Tons and tons and tons of us came to know Jesus before the age of 18. If that's the truth, reaching and raising the next generation is a huge, huge priority for us. We've invested in this. We felt prophetically that this was something we needed to start doing years ago, five or six years ago. We didn't, I think we must have had 12 kids or eight kids or something like that, and most of them were mine, to be honest. And uh, Bates came onto staff, which seemed like a crazy idea to bring a marketplace engineer onto staff to start looking at Kids Church. And I just marvel at how God is working in this space and how we see so many kids. I mean, just now I heard you heard them shrieking. It's so wonderful. Even though we're not in our normal environment and we've got the kids shouting and yelling and it's coming up to us, I just I love the sound of it because it's God at work in the next generation. We're not teaching them just simple little things and, and moralistic lessons. We are getting into the gospel. We're getting into scriptures. We're investing in people and a staff member as well as in curriculums that teach the gospel to our children. We have huge opportunity and huge responsibility to be passionately involved in these young lives. And Deuteronomy is, is actually the thought in, in Deuteronomy is prevalent throughout Scripture. Train your children. Teach them. I love this text in Deuteronomy that's as when you sleep, when you get up, when you're going wherever you are, in the car, on the way to school, wherever it is, tell them. Make sure they hear the stories of God's power and God's faithfulness. All right, I think we can leave that one there for now. But just as we, as we look at this and think about our own one-hopers, guys that are still in the room today, I think of Devin doing projection. Dev, how old were you when you first came to New Gen? Eight years old. And just through the kids' church, through the youth, through the students, into the young adult world. I think of Nath Fisher. I think they're outside with baby. Nath, Nath was there from some of the youngest. I think he was probably three or four, maybe, maybe a little older when he joined. And right through, same story. I think of Kirsten Robinson, who's one of our teachers. I think more recently of, of Meg's Probit, who's just this year, it's her first year on our student team, right from kids' church into youth, into student team. Just example after example of, of raising up this next generation. And the very last one, and I left this one for last specifically because it's going to be an interesting one. Our vision, number seven, the great reveal, planting sites and churches in greater Stellenbosch. And the key text here is Acts chapter 2. Let me read it for us quickly. Telling the story, the context is 3,000 people have just come to know Jesus. The Holy Spirit's been poured out. Peter stands up and he preaches. And then it says this, all the believers, these are all these new believers now, these 3,000 plus the others, devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day. Say each day. It's wonderful. I don't think we have to go back to this, but I just think it's inspiring. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And then shortly after this in the book of Acts, we see the church scattered. And it says everywhere they went, they began to proclaim the gospel. Mature disciples began to be raised up and churches are formed. And one of the things that we've felt sitting in our hearts as an eldership for a number of years now is that we're passionate about proclaiming the gospel, and one of the most powerful ways to see the gospel proclaimed in a town 
is for many churches, gospel-centered churches. So you guys hear me say this regularly from the pulpit. I never want to hear us say, not another church in Stellenbosch. Why do we need cedars? Why do we need this? Why do we need the, whatever the newest church in town is? And there are many in Stellenbosch. Guys, we need more and more gospel-centered churches because every church that's planted here comes with a message, with a mandate to bring the gospel of Jesus to our students, to bring the gospel of Jesus to our young adults and our families and our old people and all of these things. And it's statistically, this is an incredible missional phase of a church's life in the early years of a church plant. And we need this in Stellenbosch. And so don't get too afraid here. We're not suddenly going to announce next week that we're going into multiple churches, nothing like that. This is a long-term vision for us, a long-term, talking 10 years. But let me ask you, where are our next church leaders coming from? I believe they're here. I believe they're sitting right in this room, some of you at least, God is calling you to lead churches. Where are our future elders coming from? Right in this room. God is calling some of us, some of you feel right, right now like you're so immature, and some of us are still so immature in our faith. But as God is growing you in the years to come, we're going to see elders released. We're going to see leaders of all sorts released in our midst. What about our next passionate hospitality gifts? You make people feel so welcome. We need you in our churches. God is, as we expand and as God opens new churches. I don't care if they want to open churches. It really doesn't bother me. I just want God to raise up men and women in our town who say, I want to go into Jamestown, or I want to go into this part of of the city, or I want to go into Franschhoek, or Somerset West, or wherever it may be, and we want to see gospel centers, more gospel centers established, preaching and proclaiming the name of Jesus, right? Because then we go right back to the start of where we started this morning. Here's a cool little One Hope example of this. We're going to finish with this. Guys, do you know Dawson and Jen? This leaves us without any excuse. Dawson and Jen. Dawson, I think, is, is this is Dawson over here. I think he's 83 years old. He's about 95% blind. All right? So he, came, he always came in the back with his, with his walker. Jen, go back to the other one if you would. I can't see Jen in these. There's Jen over there. Jen is nearly deaf. So together they are perfect couple, a Zimbabwean couple who've lost everything. I remember her testimony three years ago um, in our testimony Sunday. During lockdown, they couldn't get anywhere. They weren't allowed out of their, out of their old age home in Somerset West. People were, he was telling me that guys were passing cigarettes over the fence. You know, people were making a plan to get there. But there was no contact with anyone from outside of their old age home. And they just felt stirred to start a church at this age. And they, Jean and Marley, Jean, Marley's here. Jean is with them this morning. And they've asked us Every fourth Sunday of the month, if we could send someone from One Hope just to go and minister to him because he struggles to preach because he can't read. Everything is in his memory, and he has to prepare everything that he can remember it in his head. Isn't that an incredible story of just a, a spontaneous little church plant, 15 or so? Alter, that's literally this morning, 9 o'clock. That's the photo that John sent. He's busy ministering to them in Somerset West. And there we have it, friends. Seven points. I'm sorry it's long. I, it's an, a really unusual Sunday, an unusual sermon to unpack these seven things. But I hope they excite you like they're exciting us. Anyone? Does it stir your heart to faith? And all of this for what goal? Being filled and filling Stellenbosch with the hope and life of Jesus. And so I've been waiting to do this for ages. One hope. I want you to go this morning and I want you to go out. And this is my commission to you this week. Won't you be filled? Let God fill you. Spend time in His Word. Spend time in prayer. Get to life groups. Spend time with one another. Encourage one another. Breathe life into one another's spaces. Be filled in the name of Jesus. And then I want to commission you. Go into your workplaces. Go into your schools. Go onto your campus. And carry with you the hope and the life of Jesus with everyone you meet. Can we do that? It's easy to say amen. It's easy to shout. It's much harder to live, right? But we're going to keep talking about this for weeks and get it in our hearts. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you just for the grace in this room as we just take some time and unpack one after the other. Just things that we felt for some time that you're birthing in our hearts, that you're wanting us to focus on. Lord, would this process really thrust us forward into the things and the plans and the purposes that you have for this church, Lord? We want to play our part in this town. 
Lord, we want to join with other churches, but Lord, we also say, give us our lampstand. We want to play our part. We want to be part of your kingdom advancing on campus and in homes and in workplaces and on, in schools. And Lord, we want to do your work in this place. We love you. We praise you. I ask you that you'd remind us that all of this is through the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Not one religious thought as we walk out of here, legalistic thought of, I have to do this in my strength. It's you we look to in our weakness. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.